morning as we look at the last bit of Ephesians. Someone wants to grab those lights for me, you can do that too. Uh, we, we are here and we are in the midst of a battle. And in the midst of a battle, there's many victories that take place in the, in the war and the battles that go on. And, and I don't know you, about you, but I am I'm excited still about what God continues to do here in this church body. As I think back over the last few months, as began here, I'm brand new again here in July, and I'm uh, just getting my feet wet with different things, and you guys are already doing so many awesome things with the Holy Spirit's leading through this body of believers. And over the past several months, we've, we've seen eight different baptisms take place over that per- time period, and, and new believers, new babes in Christ coming and, and growing, and we want to continue to, to disciple them as a church, and, and we've seen you know, camps take place, and we've seen a vacation Bible school take place, and in the midst of that vacation Bible school week, we led into a time where we were looking forward to a, a picnic, a community picnic, and praise the Lord, just this past Wednesday as we had our youth group kickoff, which had a great turnout at that youth group kickoff over at the Stephen Hagen's house, we had two brand new girls that have never been to church or youth group as part of Paradise Valley Christian Church. They showed up because, and I was talking to the grandma, and I, I said, well, my name's Charles. I'm the new associate minister at Paradise Valley Christian Church. And she said, yeah, I, I got a chance to meet you at the community picnic. And that's why my granddaughter and her friend are here at youth group tonight. Two brand new girls showing up to youth group because of the community picnic. And we've heard other good things. And so I want to encourage you to pray about those opportunities that you still might have because what God might be doing in someone's life. And then the Christian school kicked off. You know, that was three weeks ago. It's craziness how, how quickly time flies. Three weeks ago, school over at uh, Paradise Valley Christian School started. And just this past week, a lot of the other schools got underway as well. And, and so God is at work in a lot of different areas and as we look at Ephesians, we're, we're finishing up this series on Be the Church. And so this morning's title of the message is Be the Fully Armed Church. Be the Fully Armed Church. And we're looking at Ephesians starting in verse 10. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Finally, <coughs> excuse me, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You see, there is a war going on all around us, and there is no reason for Paul to write this to the people if there wasn't a war going on. There's no reason to be strong in the Lord if we're not being attacked. If life isn't a battle then Paul would have no reason to give us this finally be strong in the Lord. You see, this morning, Paul didn't say to the church in Ephesus, you know, don't worry, you know, it, no problem, man, as they would say in Jamaica. I'm doing this for Riley Bowers because she's been in my fifth and sixth grade class, and they always want me to do accents in that substitute class there. And so, yeah, so we have this, you know, no problem. He, he's not writing to the Ephesians saying it's, it's all going to be easy. You know, don't worry and be happy. Akuna matata, you know. It's going to be okay. Paul didn't say, finally, church at Paradise Valley Christian Put your feet up and, 
and take it easy. Have a good time until Jesus returns. No, church, we are born into a battle zone, not onto a cruise ship. You know, and, and I'm one that I enjoy a cruise ship. I enjoy being able to, to get on the ship and, and they, they have your bags at your door and you go and you put your stuff in your room and they have your nice towels and, and every single day that you leave the room on a cruise ship, you come back and it's like 10 minutes later, you left your bed messy and it's already clean again and you get to go to the buffet lines and you get to sit in fancy tables and I love a cruise ship, but the reality of life is not, we're not born onto a cruise ship, we're born into a battle zone. The reality of life is that there's a spiritual war going on all around us, and if we can't acknowledge that in our lives, we're going to be useless. We're going to be useless as Christians when it comes to fighting against the enemy each and every day. We must be ready for battle. And so I want to challenge us from Ephesians this morning as we look down through the rest of chapter 6, that we need to prepare. We need to prepare, we need to pray, and we need to proclaim. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we desire for you to teach us this morning. Shape us into who you want us to be, God. We want to be your hands and your feet. We want to be prepared. We want to spend time in prayer. We want to proclaim the message as we battle the war that's going on all around us, Father. May you use this morning for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you look at Ephesians 6, 11 through 17, we have this idea again of, of prepare. If, if we're going to go into the battle, if we're going to wage war, the spiritual war that's going on all around us, we have to to prepare, and many of you have prepared for lots of different things, whether it be going camping or on a trip, or if you prepared for going to work, or preparing to uh, take your kids somewhere, and all that kind of thing takes time and preparation and, and forethought and, and planning ahead, and it just reminds me of three weeks ago, like I said, we started at Paradise Valley Christian School, and we, re we enrolled seven kids into Paradise Valley Christian School, and, and so there, had, there was a lot that went into this idea of getting ready to go to school. In fact, we just, we appreciate the fact that it had an open house, allowed us to, to go in and, and to, to meet the parent, to not meet the parents, for the teachers to meet the parents, and, and for us as parents to meet the teachers, and we got to go in and find out what supplies we were going to need as a family to bring into the school and, and what the dress code was, what, what we need to be wearing to, to get ready to be successful as we started a new school year. And we have the same responsibility in the midst of the spiritual battles we are facing each and every day. We must prepare. And part of preparing is getting to know your enemy now, I'm not saying using the teacher school illustration, you know, we're not saying that the teachers are our enemies, and maybe some of the kids might have thought that. Uh, but as we look at verse 12 here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
as we prepare to go to battle, we have to know who our enemy is. We have to be aware as Christians to, to this idea that we have an enemy. We need to realize who our enemy is. And it's not one another. It's not people in our workplace. It's not our government officials. It's not the media. It's not our family members. Our enemy is Satan and his demons. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to stop battling amongst ourselves and, and really begin to acknowledge that we have one true enemy and he is real and he wants to destroy you. And if you give him even a foothold in your life, he will tear you apart like a roaring lion. We need to realize that according to 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. You see, our enemy is going to try and get us to believe his lies just like he did with Adam and Eve. And in order to combat this enemy, we need to stop living with our heads in the clouds and pretending that everything is just peaches and cream and, and recognize that Satan is our enemy. And we need to equip ourselves in order to battle him. And so as we go down through these verses all the way 13 through 17, God gives us incredible access to his armory. Spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons. And so as we look at verse 14, verse 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it all starts here. Why? Well, because the greatest defense against deception and false teaching is the truth. It is so hard to identify a lie if you have no standard of truth to compare it to. You can't tell what is straight if you only have something that's crooked to judge it by. And that's why God has truth for us. Jesus himself shows up on the scene and he says, I am the truth. And not only that, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, John 14, 6 gives us a heads up that Jesus is the only way. He shows up and, and Jesus says, I'm not just a way, if you like that way, I'm not going to point you to a way. I'm not going to show you a way. He says, I am the way. And he said, I am absolute truth, and we must know him. The belt of truth in a suit of armor is a, a very critical piece because everything else hinges on it. Other pieces of armor, other tools all hang in place with this key piece. And if you do not start with the belt of truth, you have no basis for real protection. Our victory in spiritual warfare begins with knowing the truth. So my question for you this morning as we begin, do you? Do you know the truth? That's where it all starts. 
Then it goes on to the breastplate of righteousness. As you continue on there in Ephesians chapter 6, the rest of verse 14 says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You see, it's God's body armor. And now this is so important because in defensive armor, what does the breastplate protect? Well, it protects all the major organs, and including the heart. And the Greek word for breastplate is thorax, which means heart protector. How appropriate is that? This is God's body armor, and it protects all the vital organs. In, Ephesians, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Our righteousness comes not from ourselves, but from God. It comes from Christ. And so it's called the breastplate of righteousness. It is God's righteousness, not ours. That ultimately gives us victory over the enemy. Our victory comes from God and his righteousness. And without him, we can't be forgiven. We can't be washed clean. We can't be born again. And without this central peace, we're defenseless. And then verse 15 goes on to say, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You see, now the battlefield in those days, it was dangerous. Just like your battlefield that you're facing each and every day. If you slip and you fall in hand-to-hand combat, you'd be in big trouble. The Romans had these special shoes that were wrapped with leather straps all the way up the calf, up to the knee, to make those shoes feel like they were part of your body. And these shoes were so good that as I researched this, it said that in some times soldiers had been known to march 25 miles in a day before going into battle. You see, these shoes were good. They had metal spikes just like our modern-day cleats, and when the train got slippery, they were able to stand firm. They, they had these metal spikes that would kind of dig into the ground. And we have the good news as believers that we are at peace with God in our lives, which keeps our footing firm. This peace is there to keep us from slipping, slipping or, or wavering in the battle. In Romans 8.31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So as we stand firm, we hold out the shield of faith, as verse 16 says. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, there's two kinds, types of of common shields used by the Roman soldiers. And the first one was more of the, the roughly the size of a maybe a large pizza box. And this was a shield that was used for display or if you got promoted. You never brought that shield into battle. This was not an appropriate shield. When you came into battle, Paul is talking about a second shield. Polbius, a, a historian, gave a, descript, a description of the early 2nd century shield. He wrote, the Roman shield had a convex surface of which measures two and a half feet in width and four feet in length. 
the thickness at the rim being a palm's breadth. It is made of two planks glued together, the outer surface being then covered first with canvas and then with calfskin. Its upper and lower rims are strengthened by an iron edging which protects it from descending blows and from injury when rested on the ground. It also has an iron shield boss fixed to it which turns aside the most formidable blows of stones, pikes, and heavy missiles in general. These shields were designed to not only protect the individual in hand-to-hand combat, but when the soldiers came together, they could position their shields next to each other in order to protect each other from the flaming arrows of the evil one. Many of you probably have seen pictures, I forgot to grab a picture of this, but how they would stack their their shields next to each other, one after the other, and then the ones would come behind it and produce a, a canopy over top. You see, together as the church, we can begin to protect one another. Our faith in God helps protect us individually in the battle, but together as a church, it helps protect our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why coming together as the body of Christ is so important. It's not just a social hour. It's not just a, hey, good to see you. It's a we to come together because we benefit from each other's faith in Christ in the spiritual battles of this life. And when it comes to being in the middle of the battle, verse 17 tells us of an important armor that we need to put on. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which we'll get to in a moment. But this idea of taking the helmet of salvation and putting that on in our lives. And when we're in the middle of a battle, there's a lot of times that these warriors can go out. And there's times where you might be wounded in the arm. And you can keep on fighting. Maybe you've been wounded in the leg or the shoulder. And, and yet you keep on fighting. But if, you lo- if we lose our heads or receive a strong blow to our heads, we're going to be out of the fight. The helmet of salvation is so critical. We could lose our sword in battle, but we can't lose our heads. God comes along and he says, with the good news, God protects the head of the believer with the one thing the enemy can do nothing about, our salvation. Our salvation is given as a gift to us, and we trust in the promises of God's word that if we are willing to surrender our lives to God, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, no wonder Paul puts it as the prime piece, as the top of our body, that no matter what we face in battle, we hold firm to the salvation we have in Christ, and that keeps our heads protected. And then the sword of the Spirit, the rest of verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the Word of God. Not only can the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, defend us as we protect ourselves from the attacks of the enemy, but it can also be used to go on the offense against Satan. 
And I'm not one who spends a lot of time using weapons. In fact, I don't own any weapons. I'm just, I didn't grow up owning any weapons. And so I have a paintball gun. I love shooting paintballs at people. Um, but I, I, I don't know a ton about weapons. But it's interesting to me that in many of the superhero storylines, each hero has a specific weapon that they know how to use and they know how to use them well. You think about Thor has his hammer. And you think about Iron Man and his suit and, and all the different abilities that suit has. And then you have Captain America with his shield and Spider-Man with his webs and on and on it goes. They have their specific weapons, their go-to weapons. And we need to spend time honing our skills with the Bible in order that we can use it successfully. Just as officers and military personnel spend time at the shooting range, we as Christians need to be in the Word of God daily in order to be the worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of truth, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. And sadly, I think many of us leave our swords stuck in our sheets. Many of us leave it there all week long. Maybe you put it on the shelf for the bedside table. Maybe we never open up our phone app. God's word is our sword for the battle. How do we expect to be victorious in this life as we battle against the evil of this world if we never have our sword in the battle? You can't fight the enemy if you never draw your sword. And you can't know the word if you never pick it up. And so we need to prepare. And as we continue on through the rest of Ephesians 6, in verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. You see, not only do we need to prepare, not only do we need to know our enemy, to equip ourselves with the armor of God, but we need to pray. Remember this morning that this armor is not something that man made up, but it is the armor of God. The only way to put on the full armor of God is to do it in the spirit through prayer. It's the saying of, when I work, it's only I that work. But when I pray, God works. When I work, it's only when... It's only I that works, but when I pray, God works. You see, prayer can't just be a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a bedtime or a mealtime thing. It has to be a lifestyle. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, it's, it's a continual, everyday, constant lifestyle of prayer. We must go to war through prayer. And it reminds me of the movie that came out a few years ago called War Room. And I just want to show a quick clip to maybe inspire you and encourage you. When was the last time that you made the extra effort to spend time in prayer? To make a special room where you go and you've battles on your hand on your knees the spiritual war that's going on all around you here's a clip from that movie 
come up. Let's pray. Let's pray like we've never prayed before. Let's see God do some amazing, immeasurably more than we could ever ask things because we're spending time in prayer. Because we care about our neighbors. We care about our loved ones. We care about our coworkers. We care about the people that we go to school with. We don't want to see people end up in hell just because we didn't spend enough time in prayer. I spent enough time in the Word. There's a battle going on. Are you willing to put each piece of armor on each and every day through prayer as we go into the battle? Because as we finish out Ephesians 16, excuse me, 6, 19 through 20 says, pray also. Again, Paul is saying this to the church in Ephesus. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You see, we need to proclaim the good news of Jesus. With the arm of God and the power of prayer, we can't begin to do what Paul was called to do with, excuse me, without the armor of God and the power of prayer. We can't begin to do what Paul was called to do and what we as Christians are called to do, and that is to proclaim the message of salvation. We are to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We are ambassadors for the good news of Jesus. We must be praying for each other in this calling. And we must be willing to fight side by side our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you fearlessly declaring what God has placed on your heart to declare? Are you fearlessly proclaiming the good news of Jesus through every area of your life? We have what is going to win the war, and that is Jesus. We need to boldly go out and share Jesus and the love that he has for us with the world around us. So if we're going to be the fully armed church, we must prepare, pray, and proclaim. We can't leave certain parts out. We can't expect someone else to do the hard stuff. No, we are in a war. We are in this war together. This morning, if you have been trying to fight the good fight, but you feel ill-equipped Ill because the Holy Spirit does not dwell inside you, then today is the day to change that. According to Acts 2.38, if you are cut to the heart this morning, and if you know you need to surrender your life to Jesus, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you want to make Him your Lord and Savior, then Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, this morning... If you're outside of Christ, you need to enlist into the army of God this morning. This morning, if you are in Christ and, and you've been in the battle and you've been battling and you've been knocked down this morning, then we invite you to come that we might be able to pray with you and encourage you. This morning, if, if you need to get connected with a church, if you don't have a church home, we'd invite you to come. As Ray comes and shares our invitation song, I just ask that if God is working on your heart this morning, that you'd come as we sing. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful for all the many blessings that you pour out on us. And this morning, as we think about your word and meditate on Ephesians chapter 6, 
10 all the way through the end of the chapter, I pray that we realize that we are in a battle this morning. That we need to get prepared. That we need to prepare ourselves. We We need to know who our enemy is. And that's not the world, the people around us. It's Satan and his demons. Father, this morning, I pray that we get equipped and we put on the full armor of God. That we'd spend time in prayer and that we would proclaim the message that you have us to proclaim. The good news of your son and the salvation that he offers through his mercy, his forgiveness, and his grace. And so if there's one here this morning that needs to surrender their life over to you, I ask that they would surrender today. That they would begin the battle that wages around them, that they would enlist into your army and that you would be, begin to empower them to defend, to go on the offense, to be in the battle that makes a difference in this world for your kingdom. It's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing a song of invitation? Again, if you have a decision to make this morning, we'd invite you to come as we sing.